so Jesus, we, we want to meet with you this morning. Uh, we love you, and we're excited to hear from your word and from Aaron. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. Yes, sir. So we're going to jump in. Two weeks ago, I introduced um, a four-part series, Your Kingdom Come. And what I want to do is sort of lay a, a theological foundation for thinking through our current uh, social, political, cultural environment. Um, <clears throat> the, the scripture has some things to say about how we engage with our world, and it's my uh, hope to equip you in that. And uh, part of the reason, too, I want to do this series now is because I feel fairly confidently that you're not getting enough politics Monday through Saturday. So I wanted to make sure that on Sunday morning, you got a pretty good dose uh, just to carry you through the week, uh, the vacuum of, of political stuff that you're hearing the rest of the week. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, this morning, I'm going to lay a little more theological foundation. Uh, we'll connect it to a few more political ideas. Over the next three weeks, we'll get into a little more of the nitty-gritty. But here's what happened when I was preparing for this morning. As I was preparing, I kept adding in my notes, you need to clarify that you're not saying this. And then a little bit later, I'd be like, oh, you need to make sure you clarify that you're not saying this. And pretty soon I had 30 minutes worth of reminding you that I'm not saying these things. So I had to throw that out. And so this is what we're going to have to go with this morning. You're going to have to give me enough grace to believe that if I didn't say it, then I'm not saying it. Is that fair? So if I say something and then you leap over here and say, hmm, I think he might have been saying this. Hey, if I didn't say that, then I'm not saying it, okay? Is that fair? Can you give me that space this morning? Okay. Then we'll be fine. Now I've got 20 minutes. <sighs> so I Googled the question, not because I necessarily agree with the premise of this question, but I Googled the question, what is destroying America? You'd probably be surprised to know that there's a difference of opinion on that question. The first result, I think we can all agree with, Facebook. That was the first finding, was Facebook is ruining America. <laughs> I love the knowing looks from this room right now, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Another option, Democrats. Yeah, don't shout, don't shout your, your agreement too loudly. <laughs> Socialism, Trump. I actually appreciated this broader category, politicians. Politicians are destroying America. The ultra-rich, fear is what's destroying America. The lockdowns, the media, reality television, it's already happened, it's already over. 
Have you watched reality TV? Come, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> One episode of The Bachelor and you're like, the apocalypse is nigh, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of discussion, debate, and there's a lot of real extreme statements made back and forth about uh, where power lies and, and who in power is doing harm it's not always entirely clear how we would take power away from those who abuse it or use it harmfully, how we would take it from them, and then to whom it would be given, right? So if you believe that it's, it's the, the rich, the, the ultra-rich, uh, the one article that was arguing that this is destroying our country said that the three richest men in America have as much wealth as the bottom 160 million people in America. And then they laid out an argument as to why that's problematic. Well, how would you take that power away? And if you took it away, who would you give it to? Should we have a system where there is one person in charge of everyone and they hold all the power? Should we have a system where there is a small group who are in power? Should we have a system where the masses are in power? So, what I want to talk about this morning, and we're going to move fairly quickly, is <clears throat> the kingdom of God and power. Power. Wow. <laughs> Watch out. By what sort of power is the kingdom of God advanced on the earth? What is the force, the power, the authority by which the, the realm the realm within which God's reign is experienced, where he is given the authority that he rightfully has, where he is given rule and control, how is that territory expanded? We know how human kingdoms are expanded, right? We know what kind of power by which human kingdoms throughout history have been expanded. It is the power of military might. By what sort of power is the kingdom of God advanced on the earth? What should it look like? What is a better system for the advancement of the kingdom of God on the earth? Would we be better off under a monarchy like it was in the Old Testament? Under the authority of the elite few is it a better situation to have power given to the masses? Is it a better situation to have God and only God rule politically? The greatest crime in the history of humanity was the, was the murder of the Son of God. Let me ask you a question. Was that... Was that act carried out by the power of one ruler, by the power of an elite few, by the power of the masses, or by the will of God? 
So three things. And again, I'm gonna lay a theological foundation. We're gonna, we're gonna work from this foundation to look at our world a little more clearly. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna pull this apart even more. But three things regarding God's kingdom and the power by which it, it is advanced. Number one, God's kingdom is expanded through a singular power. There's only one kind of power by which the kingdom of God or the territory within which his reign is experienced is increased. And that power, we can use several different terms to describe it, but it is this. It is the gospel. It is the good news. It is the power of the cross and the resurrection. The power of God's spirit by which those things that are dead are brought to life. It is the power of the cross. The power of Jesus we, we call it the gospel because the gospel is a term meaning good news, and we call it good news because it is the news that we received that those things that are dead can be brought to life. Now, already you're asking yourself the question, what in the world does this have to do with politics? You stick around, okay? God's kingdom on the earth, remember from last week, it is growing and it will continue to grow until it is the only kingdom. The, the power that drives its advancement is the power of resurrection, of death to life, which is a power that only God has. 1 Corinthians 1.18, I'm going to just blast you with some scripture. You can take some time later. I'm not going to dig into these scripture. I'm just going to give you several uh, that, are, that are on topic. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul says, I wish that you could better see and understand and grasp the power of God that's in you because the power of God in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him uh, in the place of authority in heaven. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, So let's get this straight. This is the ministry of Jesus on the earth, that by his spirit, he makes the dead alive. That's what he does. That is the power of God. That is the power of his gospel. It is not the power to take poor behavior and make it better behavior. It's not the power to take corrupt people and make them less corrupt people. It's not the power to take poor
poor self-esteem and make it higher self-esteem. This is the power of God on the earth. He takes dead things and transforms them into living things. If you've ever walked through the grief of something dying, I remember grieving the death of my own self-righteousness. How did I fail so miserably at pulling this off? I'm such a disappointment to myself. If you've grieved the, the, the death, maybe in a marriage relationship or in a, in a career dream, We always fight it so intensely. We say the same thing Jesus did. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know that Jesus doesn't take your lousy things and like uh, reorder them, like shape them up. He takes that which is dead and he breathes life into it. Eternal life, resurrection life, life that cannot be corrupted by death. He takes that which is carnal, all of your, your sinful appetites that kill us. He takes that and he, he breathes life into it and replaces those with godly appetites. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This is Paul's prayer, that I would know, that I would experience the power of resurrection life in me. 1 Corinthians 2.2, this is what I determined, that I would not come to you with impressive wisdom or wit, that I would know nothing except this, Jesus Christ and him crucified. God's kingdom is expanded through a singular power. And that is the power of bringing that which is dead to life in him through his spirit. Okay, you tracking with that? We're on the same page? Number two. Social transformation is brought about by the same power that brings about personal transformation. Uh, a group of people, like let's say Alaskans, is just a bunch of individuals. And no group is transformed in a way that's different than the, the way that the individuals who make up that group are transformed. Do you want to see America transformed, brought from death to life, leaders who have been brought from death to life, who live by the power of Jesus in them according to his will, who are walking in an experience of the reign of God in their lives? Do you want to see a country that is governed that way? Well, the way that that happens on the individual level is what predicates it happening on a group level.
Social transformation is just the product of individual transformation as more individuals are brought from death to life through Jesus, through his spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. And if he's a first fruit, there are more fruit. Christ the first fruits. And after that, those who are Christ at his coming, there will be more raised from the dead. And then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God and Father. When he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that he will put under his feet that will be destroyed is death itself. So remember last week I said, uh, we had those parables where it said the kingdom of God is like this very small thing and then it keeps growing and growing and growing until it becomes the only thing. Jesus says, or Paul says, Jesus was raised from the dead and now guess what? There's going to be more of that. There's going to be more dead things that are resurrected and that group is going to grow and grow and eventually the only reality on the earth is going to be resurrection life. In fact, it's going to be so permanent, he's going to get rid of death itself. And then Jesus will reign on the earth overall. Man, Peter did not like this. Peter was the guy who was a political revolutionary. He was ready for the kingdom of God to be established through physical force. And again and again, Jesus says, no, 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 Peter, that's not how we're going to do it. That's not how we're going to bring this about. That's not how my kingdom is going to be established. The Bible doesn't actually answer the question as to what form of government is better suited to the establishment of the kingdom of God. But what the scriptures let us know without reservation and emphatically is that if you're under one ruler, our only hope is that that one ruler is transformed by the gospel and brought from death to life. That that one ruler would would. would would live under the rule of God. If it's the masses, if, if, if a power and authority has been distributed to the masses, then our only hope is that the masses experience the transformation through the power of the gospel of being brought from death to life. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against political parties. We are not fighting against political ideologies. There's some things I'm not saying. I didn't say that. We are fighting against the forces of darkness and against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places.
Our enemy is the powers of darkness that wield the power of sin and death. And, and, and my goodness, you guys look around how powerfully it's wielded. Are you afraid? Not me. Because I remember the last thing he said. All power and authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Number three, there is no power of man that can save us. John Adams, one of our founders, said, we simply have no government armed with sufficient power to contend with the unbridled human passions. When you look at the world around you, when you watch the news, What is it that you hope for? Upon what have you placed your hope? Because there is only one power by which the kingdom of God is advanced, and it's that power that brings about social transformation is the power of the gospel. My hope and my prayer as I look at our church, as I look at our town, as I look at our state, as I look at our country, and as I look at the world, this is my prayer and my hope, and this should be your prayer and your hope. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Wherever power lies, Wherever authority has been given, used, and or abused, God, your kingdom come by the power of your spirit. And when we place our hope in the particular power structures of mankind, the strategies and schemes of man, it becomes a form of idolatry and idols always betray us. The book of Judges, I actually mentioned to my kids recently, I forget what the conversation was even about, I was talking to a couple of my kids and I was commenting on how dark the book of Judges is. It's a really dark book and it gets bad, it gets worse as the book goes on, as sin just as, like takes over and becomes rampant. and. It's almost anarchy by the end of the book. And about a week later, one of my kids said, I've been reading Judges. The end of the book of Judges, there is, there is social collapse. And the people go to Samuel and they say, we need a different form of government or we're not gonna survive. And God says, no, you've rejected me. 
And until that changes, your, your plans, your strategies aren't going to change it. God has given us the capacity through the ex exercise of our intellect, our will, to create systems that are maybe better equipped to serve. I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no system of man that is sufficient to contend with the untransformed passions of sin that run rampant. What do we need here in our lives, in our community, in our state, in our country, in our world? We need a greater encounter of Jesus Christ. We need the establishment of his kingdom, his perfect will on earth as it is in heaven. God, we know that we don't have the solution Because at the end of the day, at the end of our ability and our capacity, unless you come, unless you reign, unless your rule is established, it falls apart. And we see that collapse everywhere we look. And so we ask with renewed fervor, with renewed commitment for our own hearts, for our own lives, and for the world within which we live, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.